eight minutes past two o'clock and you're listening to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. And I'd like to welcome back on the program the one and the only Andrew Dambina for this week's Tuesday. Andrew, it's good to speak to you. How are you doing today, sir? Uh, good, good, thanks, uh, Madam Slash Miss. How are you doing? I'm very well. Top of the afternoon to you. Are you are you um, <laughs> around at home at the moment, where you know uh, on an outlying island and can observe the the strong wind signal number three? I am, but as we speak, the plants on my rooftop, uh, which I can see from my office window, are not swaying very much. It's pretty still. There was a bit. It was a bit. Uh, of a different story earlier on, but probably like everywhere else in Hong Kong for the last few days, in fact, um, there are these sudden outrageous downpours um, that, that uh, you know, restrict visibility to just a few metres. Absolutely. That, I, I, yeah. I mean, I hate to bang on this, but, you know, we moved into this beautifully newly constructed studio, but there's no mm. window. There's no, right. I can't say that word, there's no window. So we don't know what's going on. Half the time we're reporting on, on the weather and, yeah. you know, it's from from, from the screen. Well, know, or the, or our the trusted observatory. observatory. The, the observatory. Yeah, they know what's going on. So all you need is a screen, Lauren. Exactly. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what have you got for our listeners this afternoon for this week's Tuesday? Okay, so a couple of things related to locally and something from more of global perspective. Starting off with... Um, something that has got a link to a topic we spoke of a week ago about the world's 50 best restaurant list. Remember that? That, uh, that came out just oh, a couple yeah. of weeks ago? Yep. Yeah, you remember it, Nos. Well, um, it can hardly be coincidence then that just published three days ago was a 50 best restaurants list in Hong Kong uh, that uh, that readers are encouraged to try, published by Time Out magazine on Saturday, just gone. So the uh, it's an interesting one because Hong Kong's dining scene over the last few years has been challenged. You know, it's seen closure of a lot of restaurants um, due to um, the, the unrest and the COVID challenges and restrictions. So a lot of restaurants have gone. However, I have to say from my own research over this time period, three years, that also a lot have opened. I mean, the tally across all will be that, of course, there are fewer restaurants in the last few years. But um, there have been some great, courageous openings of quite, um, I mean, no restaurant, I should imagine, is cheap to run. But there are some pretty high-end ones out there, independent ones that, are not, that don't have the backing of a hotel, for example, but, um, that really have got their business plan together, no doubt got some investors involved and really taken the plunge. It's often led by a top chef who did have a reputation and loyal diners that will then follow them uh, to, to different restaurants. Sometimes they will take their team of uh, chefs who, who got them, you know, uh, some, uh, uh, some loyal customers and critics to, uh, to be with them in their new kitchen. So it's great that Hong Kong's dining scene, uh, which has been, as I say, immensely challenged, has, has managed to pull through. And it was interesting to read this list of the best 50 restaurants picked by Time Out. Um, and if I may, I'll just kind of uh, mention a few. And then I've got some comments about the whole list, if that's okay with you. All right. Go for it. Okay. Well, so 
They do number them, and they number them in order. They rank them in order of what they think are the best right now. So, you know, as, as we know from international world reviews, that uh, there'll be a big difference between the best restaurant list that's um, based in the UK and the Michelin guides, which are headquartered in France, but, but they have different guides. You know, they're not always going to have the same, uh, the same answers. It's subjective. A little bit like art, maybe. People, people's taste buds will react differently. They'll react differently to the ambiance. However, this is what Time Out has put at number one. It's a new restaurant that is Spanish uh, with a native Spanish chef, and it's called Agora. And it, it's Spanish at an elevated kind of level. So it's a tasting restaurant kind of place where you don't, unless you have a food allergy or something that you really don't like, you're going to be eating something that is from a list of um, best seasonal ingredients and what would normally be eaten at this time of the year in a place where the cuisine comes from. A, t- a tricky one to manoeuvre, I would think, mm. in Hong Kong, because it's, uh, as we started today's chat, talking about the blustery, you know, T3 weather, probably not a lot of that in Spain, and, um, and, it's, and it's, it's humid here all the time. However... Um, it, it's run by a chef that used to be in charge of a place that, that I thought was excellent and quite casual, but a bit upmarket, which was called 22 Ships in One Chai. And um, the, uh, the chef who came over to, uh, to join that restaurant, his name is Antonio Oviedo, and he does cook amazing food. So instead of it being the 22 Ships, um, which is on the list, by the way, under its new chef. It's also on this top 50 list, and it comes in at number 48 now. It just comes into the list. Um, and that is a totally different vibe because there's um, the one I'm talking about, 22 Ships, is casual. It's mostly set around a bar counter. There are more seats on stalls at the bar counter. It's not all about drinking, though. People are really enjoying the food. And, it's, and, there, and in that restaurant, there are people sitting down on tables. It's a noisy place, just like a tapas place would be in Spain. Um, this one, this new one, Agora, which I haven't been to in Central, is, a, is totally different. I've sent you a picture, actually, Noreen. I've sent, I sent Noreen a couple of pictures and the one of a very long table, which looks like it could be a club, um, like a, some sort of, it's got concrete or stone pillars. There are grey armchairs for each seat. The table is a long piece of orange and white marble. It's, um, it really, it, it, you can tell by looking at it that this is some kind of, for a lot of people, a special occasion restaurant, you could say. Um, so it does look he, like a special occasion restaurant, you're right. It does a bit, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, Fancy. that shot... Yeah, that shot's a private room, so it is really one for a, for a party where someone's, you know, celebrating something. So that... That actual room is a special occasion room, but the rest of the decor of the main restaurant is not far behind what you've seen there, Noreen. And, but basically, just to give you an idea of the price point, 11 courses, this is without a 10% charge that most restaurants charge, is uh, 1,700 for 11 courses. And um, if you fancy pairing that with, uh, with five glasses of Spanish wine, that's an extra 850. So it comes at a real premium. And um, it's predominantly fish and shellfish uh, with a couple of meat courses, but mostly it's about seafood on the, on the restaurant. So that's interesting. Um, if you want to see some very fancy-looking interiors, then just Google Agora, A-G-O-R-A, 
and that's the name of that restaurant. I'm not promoting these, by the way, I should add. I'm just talking about new, interesting restaurants that have popped up and been nominated by Time Out. Um, so second on the list is a restaurant that I really do want to try, probably more than the first one I mentioned, because I can't imagine what it's like to have um, really... I don't say this disparagingly, but to have very high-end German cuisine. Because German food, have you had much German food, Noreen? I mean, what comes to mind for German food? Yeah, um, pork knuckle, <laughs> pork yeah. knuckle um, yeah. Uh, sausages, um, yeah, yes. exactly. sauerkraut. Yes, yeah, that. bang on, that would, be, that would be the holy trinity, sure. I think. Of, uh, yeah, and um, so there are elements of this in there. I... I know the chef who is behind this. It's the former executive chef of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Kowloon. He was there since that hotel opened, overseeing every restaurant that was Western, from the coffee shop to his own uh, restaurant with a private room and all that kind of thing. But he has decided, after 10-plus years of doing that, to open his own independent German, uh, you know, German food restaurant in Central. And it's uh, more exciting uh, from photos that I've seen than the usual Frankfurters and sauerkraut that, uh, that, that, I, that I would say um, would normally be washed down by, uh, you know, those big steins of beer. Steins, Noreen, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> the menu is more cosmopolitan as well. When people talk these days about food anywhere, I would, uh, I'm not surprised to hear this about Germany, but certainly in the UK, which I know a bit about, you think about what uh, your favourite chef, Jamie Oliver, does. Or um, I know or, what he doesn't do. He doesn't wash his veggies. <laughs> anyway. Yay! <laughs> well, got, well got in there, Norrie. We haven't mentioned that for a long time. Don't want to lose that. Um, it's, uh, yeah, but, but he uses, like, there's, uh, there was a whole TV series and, and a cookbook, of course, um, on Italian food, Jamie's Mediterranean, or, or, or um, Jamie does Italy. And it's, uh, you know, he takes these, um, these different cuisines, which really, in the UK, the gastro pub that, that bubbled up in the UK as the result of fusing so many ingredients that are not British, there are British, there are great uh, elements of British cuisine, but they're few and far between in their pure form from the centuries that have, that have, that have come through to now. So there's often a twist. Um, UK is unrecognisable to me in its uh, em embracing of, uh, of all kinds of um, Southeast Asian and other and food from, uh, from Africa. All of these things, when I ever do visit the UK, um, that I've tried last time I was there, which was three years ago, um, was uh, I had Ethiopian cuisine for the first time, which I know that you can get in Hong Kong. Um, and I've since had it in Hong Kong. But at that time, I hadn't tried it. And it's um, so there is a lot there that doesn't oh, yeah, owe anything Karen to was the British heritage. Yeah, Karen Ko was talking about that. Oh, About oh. Ethiopian food. Yeah, in, in Hong Kong. Right. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, we should try and make time to go and eat, to chow some down, Noreen. Yes, sometime. absolutely, because yeah. they're, they're big portions, I heard. Well, at least it's good for sharing. Um, it's good it, for sharing, yeah. but they also, their staple is, um, is a kind of pancake, unlike, uh, it's cross between bread and pancake. But I won't go into that right now, because I'm clock-watching as I go through these topics, sure, I tell sure. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, at, the, uh, at the restaurant, I didn't even give its name, it's called... Um, Heimat, H-E-I-M-A-T. Um, the uh, the chef who started his restaurant has got the help of uh, of a Hong Kong-born sommelier called Wallace Wallace Lowe, 
who has got an excellent selection by the sound of it of uh, of, of wines to go through that. So it really is elevating German cuisine. There, there will have been nothing like this in Hong Kong in the 30 years that I've been here. It's um, you know it's, it's all kind of beer halls and stuff. Um, but uh, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it at all. But this is kind of just interesting for those who. Uh, who you know are able to try it. Um, now I'll quickly go through a couple of others that made the the, the top of the list. That was in second place. Um, third place, pretty interesting one. This um, chef Vicky Lau, female chef who has been one of the winners of the much talked about by you and I um, uh, best female chef for the uh, 50 best Asian restaurants. You know we've talked about that before. She she started the Tate Dining Room. Uh, which is in Soho, uh, but she has um, become part of a restaurant called Mora. Um, she's teamed up with um, a, well, she's with a pastry chef, uh, a local pastry chef, Percy Ho, and together they are cooking in what for the main courses is all inspired by soy, different types of soy sauce but bringing in what she did in her Tate dining room, elements of French cuisine. So of her own creation from years of running this Tate dining room, she's now fusing French and Chinese. It's a restaurant in Cheung Wan. This, to me, sounds very exciting. Um, and it's, it stars soya bean in one form or another, whether it's through um, bean curd or tofu beans themselves, uh, sorry, or, or, or um, soya beans themselves in their sort of boiled or, or um, pulverized form. But there's a lot of tofu in there. One thing that sounds really interesting to me is the stinky red tofu marinated crispy chicken. That's, that's, that's a bit of a tongue twister wow. to say. Yeah, imagine that. I can imagine that that with the crispy skin. Sorry for non-meat eaters, <laughs> but you know that's what's on a chicken. Um, that's that's marinated with red, with stinky red tofu uh, as a marinade. That to me sounds hugely inventive. So that's interesting. I quite um, like the stinky tofu. I know. I mean, it, yeah. it, it it smells on the street, but once you taste it, it doesn't. Exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't smell at all when you eat it. I know. I was. Um, I, I I did uh, years ago. Uh, you know, want to try it, and I, and I would say exactly the same as you just said. The same, the same. I don't find true of durian, another <laughs> kind of oh, yeah. pungent. When you when you stick a bit of that in your mouth, you know about it. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty, it's pretty similar to what you smell. Um, and um, there's there are others. There was an innovative uh, in number four, innovative Japanese restaurant, which uh, is um, uh, like a lot of. I, this is quite interesting. I never know quite how I feel about this. It's overseen by uh, a non-Japanese chef called. Rob Drennan, and you know this is not the first the first sort of time that this has happened where you have a non-native running a restaurant. What do you think about that? I mean, it should be fine, really, in a kind of politically correct world for anybody to be well versed in any form of uh, of uh, whatever there is they're doing and not have to come from there for authenticity, right? Yeah, it's so difficult to to judge. I mean, as long as because yeah. you know. Um... Yeah, it's so hard. As long as people like it, I mean, who cares, right? I don't know. I'd, maybe I'll get flamed by our listeners. But it goes to, yeah. it goes back to like in the UK, well, you get Chinese takeaways, which are mm. catered towards a more sort of British palate. And the food still tastes well, really good. Sorry. Exactly. And nobody says, no, uh, uh, or some, some Chinese takeaways in some places, I'll, I'll name Leicester, where I uh, did my uh, my university studies um would also serve chips and i think i may have said to you before first first um allegedly but not really cantonese restaurant i went to as a kid 
with my parents. My sister was less adventurous, she was a bit younger than me, uh, must have been probably seven or eight years old, and she just found it too hard to comprehend the food that she saw arriving. So we had to order her, which was on the menu, um, egg and chips, fried egg and chips <laughs> for, for kids. So, so that was, I mean, uh, the, yeah. exactly. And at the fish and chip shop yeah. or in the Indian restaurant in the UK, you'd get chips with curry, you know, and that tastes yeah. really yummy too. Yeah, yeah. Well, fusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's your that's your street level fusion. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I mentioned um, that just scraping it at number forty-eight was uh, twenty-two ships, which I do recommend for a feeling of what it's like if you can't go and travelling. Uh, to go to a tapas place in one shine. Um, uh, as a final note, though, on this timeout list, I have to say it is disappointing to me that all of the 50 restaurants mentioned are high-end places. Some of them very glam indeed, as, I, as the photo that I, that I uh, sent you, Noreen, shows. Uh, I say that because timeout dining stories in Hong Kong and around the world used to be about an interesting uh, eating spectrum across price points, I would say. And to me, this is all about high end. And uh, it just seems a bit strange. I think it should be, um, you know, time out. I didn't used to look to for where can I go for a special occasion um, uh, recommendation, really. I'm not saying it should be all down to earth and gritty, but I think there should be some in there. And it's, it's, uh, I think a few years ago, it would have been a different uh, entity. Okay, I don't know why they've changed. So that's just my thoughts on that. Um, and staying in Hong Kong, Hong Kong, um, as you may have heard, has uh, banned eating at the annual food expo, which is going to kick off this Thursday. Yes. Um, that's for the third time. People won't be able to um, taste food on the premises. Did you hear about that, Noreen? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good that it's taking place. It's always been annual, an annual event, and it's great also, to be honest. There was one of the few things, maybe because of the waves of COVID not being too bad, that, um, that over the last couple of years it was held as well. But on those occasions, there was no tasting allowed, as is the case this year. It was only just mentioned after the, um, after the holding of the uh, Hong Kong Rugby Sevens was confirmed uh, about a week ago. Um, a day or so later, it was just uh, there was an announcement that uh, that the food expo won't allow tasting. They probably, you know, the authorities have probably left it to the last moment, hoping that it would be possible. But perhaps with numbers going up here or whatever it is, who knows? Um, they've decided uh, safer bet, obviously, no question about that. To um, you know, the the few people that are that are that are, that are eating, well, there won't be any. Um, that's going to sort of um you know make sure there's no risk of it being passed on so that's that's happening but there have been positive um response from the number of exhibitors participating it exceeded that of last year so that's great and also the whole the um the hong kong trade development council is hoping that people getting their first two thousand dollar consumption vouchers which were um you know given to most of the adult uh, residents of Hong Kong from Sunday is expected to boost the expo in terms of what people will feel like treating themselves to or or just uh, trying uh, or stocking up on things that they know um, that they don't feel have to be uh, tasted in order to purchase. Um, so um, there are 
um, that there will be many um, uh, stalls there. I couldn't get a figure of how many there will be in previous years. Of course, it's good that it's been going on, um, but in, in previous years there were um, more than 1,500 exhibitors from overseas as well. Obviously, it'll be a smaller, a smaller scale, but good that it's going on. And if you want more details, listeners, uh, you can go to food-expo.com.hk. Find out more details there. It's on from this Thursday uh, until, uh, until and including next Monday. Mm. Um, it's such uh, a shame, uh, though, to go to the Food Expo and not be able to try stuff. It's, I guess, I mean, I can understand, yeah. you know, mm. the reasons behind it. Because yeah, people have to yeah. take off their mask and if you're adhering to the mask rule and all, all mm. the rest of it. Then yeah. But it's so sad because it was so much fun back in the day just trying out different things. And you can get really good deals there, remember? You, yeah, you still will $1 be able to, you know, abalone, so, and you can try it to oh, see whether yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, always. <laughs> that was one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're, I mean, I think a lot of people will still go um, to also pick up some interesting things to try. Less, uh, you know, fewer people are traveling. So that, that was something that was said in previous ones where people can try some exotic food. Japanese and Korean um, uh, foodstuffs sold really well in the last couple of years. And uh, because these are places that people like to go. So getting a taste of it that you can't see, things you might not see on shelves in local shops, you know, just try something different. I'm aware of the time, Noreen, so I'm going to quickly whiz through one last thing, which is uh, major fall in global food prices for July. This is fantastic news um, from the United Nations um, who, um, who run a monthly, uh, a, a monthly poll or they do research seeing what is the rise or drop in food prices. And July um, was, uh, was a big drop in food prices uh, from earlier in the year. And this is a big deal. And it's, and it's particularly shown its effect in vegetable oil, which I've mentioned many times, which had been really high. And when you have high vegetable oil, it makes cooked foods or packaged products often um, very... Uh, very high in return and grain as we know uh, has been allowed to be uh, distributed from the ukraine uh, by russia um, so uh, that has made a massive impact on uh, on flour and wheat and their products right. that's about it noreen thank you very um, much andrew dambina and you'll be back again next week for for more tuesday reports thank you so much for your time thank you